everybody, but everybody, is go, go, go into our Ghost a Go Go Show. Yes, it's yet another podcast bringing you tales of the paranormal and true crime, one story at a time. This is Ghost of Go-Go with Becky Ray, session number two. In this episode, I'm talking about the Gore Psychiatric Museum, so stick around. Hi, my name is Becky Ray, and welcome to Ghost of Go-Go with Becky Ray. Gore Psychiatric Museum in St. Joseph, Missouri has been identified as one of the 50 most unusual museums in America. It chronicles the 130-year history of what was once known as the State Lunatic Asylum No. 2. It opened its doors on November 9, 1874, and the hospital was called the State Hospital for the Insane No. 2, but it was more commonly named the Lunatic Asylum No. 2. The hospital continued to be referred to as the State Lunatic Asylum until 1899, when it gained the name of St. Joseph State Hospital. We have to keep in mind that at that time, lunatic and asylum were not words that had negative connotations. Lunatic was the word used to describe people with mental disturbances, and asylum meant a safe place. So for it to be called the lunatic asylum, it was not a derogatory name for the place. And it continued to be referred to as the state lunatic asylum number two until 1899, when it gained the name of the St. Joseph State Hospital. It was originally intended to house 275 patients in 32 dormitories and 76 individual rooms, and the population of the newly built state hospital in St. Joseph grew to over 293 patients within its first two years. The hospital was on the route of many families who were migrating west during the late 19th century, many dropping off mentally ill family members and never returning for them. But when I say mentally ill family members, maybe they weren't, you know, a lot of people who found themselves at the asylum were mentally ill, but a lot of them might not have been. Some were alcoholics, other conditions were epilepsy, some people had what they called then war trauma, we know it now as PTSD. Um, some people were left there for overworking, if you work too much, there must be something wrong with you. Uh, masturbation was another reason that they might leave you at the asylum. Sexual fervor, impropriety, nervous shaking, and the, my favorite, the ever vague catch-all, women's issues. That's all it took to be admitted by family members. So as you're traveling, going west to move to the western part of the new United States, if you were annoying your uncle too much, you might have been dropped off at State Lunatic Asylum Number 2 in St. Joseph on the way. Basically, it became a place to leave people that no one wanted to deal with. As early as 1875, a new wing was needed to cope with the growing patient population. For the patients who were violent, confinement and restraint devices were used to ensure they did not harm themselves, other patients, or the hospital staff. Confinement could range from chains to cages to straitjackets, but the most terrifying of all of these was the Utica crib, and it was popularized in the United States in 1846 through its use at the New York State Lunatic Asylum at Utica. What the Utica crib is, is it looks like a large box, perhaps like a coffin, only it's a cage. So it's bars, sometimes it was wooden, sometimes they were made out of metal. Some of them stood up straight, some of them laid on the ground, and patients were meant to be locked in there for a few hours at a time, but it ended up being, it would be a few days at a time, a few months at a time, and in a few very tragic cases, several years at a time. Throughout its history, the hospital underwent a series of experimental treatments for its patients, including lobotomies. When one refers to a lobotomy, it refers to cutting major connections between the prefrontal cortex and the rest of the brain. This type of procedure was a new treatment for neurological diseases in the mid-1900s. Dr. Walter Friedman changed the way lobotomies were done. He thought going in surgically took too much time and was too risky. So he developed an ice pick shaped instrument and used it to perform up to 25 lobotomies a day without anesthesia. And many times 
while reporters looked on. In response to overcrowding at State Hospital No. 2, Dr. Freeman was invited to the hospital as a guest physician to demonstrate this treatment on July 8, 1949. Doctors from the state hospitals at Fulton, Missouri and Nevada, Missouri, as well as St. Joseph, were present to watch him perform his innovative ice pick lobotomy on 10 patients in three hours. The institution hoped that this would be successful, and if it was, they hoped to undertake a program of neurosurgery. Dr. Mary Frances Robinson, a student of Dr. Freeman's and a psychologist at the State Hospital No. 2, monitored the lobotomized patients after their surgeries. While she had originally hoped the lobotomies would be the new cure for some forms of mental illness, her research proved that this was not the case. While the practitioners running the state hospitals had good intentions, they were working with very limited resources and, of course, hampered by a system unable to meet the needs of patients. Finally, in 1952, the introduction of the medicine Thorazine revolutionized care at State Hospital No. 2. These tranquilizing drugs greatly reduced the need for the use of physical restraints and allowed for many patients to obtain leaves. By the early 1990s, the majority of the patients had been released back into society. Many people ask why the museum is named the Glore Museum, and that is thanks to the gentleman named George Glore. In 1968, he was an employee of the St. Joseph State Hospital, and he worked in the occupational therapy department. He and his patients constructed a series of full-size replicas of primitive 16th, 17th, and 18th century treatment devices for Mental Health Awareness Week open house. Those exhibits impressed the hospital officials and sparked the idea to create a museum. Archaic and Cruel Devices is what it was called, and the Psychiatric Museum was funded by the state of Missouri and originally occupied a large wing of the second floor of the hospital's administration building. Although the museum didn't advertise at that time, it drew close to 10,000 visitors annually. In August of 1994, the state of Missouri approved a bond that allowed for the large asylum campus and hospital to be converted into a correctional facility. By July in 1997, a new state-of-the-art building had been completed across the street from the original campus, and the new Northwest Missouri Psychiatric Rehabilitation Center opened with 108 beds. It was also in 1997 that the Glore Psychiatric Museum, which at that time had already approximately 3,300 items, was moved into a building that had been constructed in 1968 as the medical, surgical, and admitting building for the mental hospital. The museum is a collection of unsettling displays documenting the treatment of the mentally ill over the centuries. Today, the treatment device replicas that Glore's patients constructed in 1968 remain an integral part of the museum's exhibits. Items related to mental health care have now been donated from all over the United States. Many people talk about the museum being haunted, so we have to ask, is it the location? Is it the history? It was a surgery building. Lots of patients pass through the buildings there. Or is it the items that are there? The items have come in from many places and have been used on many patients. Or is it both? Many people have reported activity at the Glore Psychiatric Museum, and I can say it's one place I go that I've never been disappointed. Several people report feeling extreme feelings of despair that suddenly overcome them for no reason, and they stick with them for a little while before moving on. Other people have said they've heard children laughing. Some people have reported a man running past them down in the basement by the morgue. Some people said this man will stop and ask them, what are you doing here? Another sound many people have heard on the second floor is gurney wheels. It sounds like gurney wheels are coming down the hallway, only nobody's there. And just when you think you should be able to see the gurney, the sound stops and turns around and goes back the other direction. The Glore Psychiatric Museum is not only an amazing place to go to look for ghosts, it's an amazing museum. The history that is there and the stories that they tell are very important, and it's a very worthwhile museum to visit. I highly recommend it. To learn more about the history of the Glore Psychiatric Museum and the hauntings there as well, read my book, Kansas City Hauntings, History and Mysteries of the Paris of the Plains. Available from all booksellers, or you can buy an autographed copy on my website at gosugogo.com. That's all for this episode of Ghosts to Go Go. 
Join me next time when I'll be talking about haunted hotels. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And be sure to follow Ghosts of Go-Go with Becky Ray on Facebook for information about upcoming paranormal events. Do you have a topic suggestion or do you want to ask a question on a future episode? Visit ghostsofgogo.com and click on the link in the show notes to send an email and or record your message. Background music's from Fesslingen Studios and huge thank you again to Doc Hammer and The Weep for the opening and closing music. Would you like to sponsor this podcast? Visit ghostsofgogo.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Ghosts of Go-Go with Becky Ray. And before we go, stop and show some love by leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time. I'm in a room. I've been